the problem isn't with the people that play golf necessarily. It's with the people that don't play golf. More like probably the problem, more the opportunity. Um, and I'm not, I don't care if every golf course is full of people or not. I don't care if golf courses close, really. I don't really care about any of that stuff. I, I care that the, the people that are currently playing the game have an opportunity to play the game in the most meaningful way, which I've learned. When you go to church, everyone's like, dude, welcome to the vibe. Yeah, everyone calls golf church, but no one treats it like church. My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo, the podcast your friend loves, and maybe you do too. Over the past year, many folks have picked up a new hobby. Golf. Yes, golf. The game that everyone loves and also loves to hate. The classic socially distanced sport grew more in 2020 than it had in 17 years, and one group that has everyone raving with excitement is Random Golf Club. I had the pleasure to chat with the founder, Eric Anders Lang. Eric and I discussed the origins of Random Golf Club, his background in photo and film, hanging with Takashi Murakami, getting fits off on the course, and how the image of golf is not the reality of it. Sit tight, we're going deep today. How are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm good. It's Wednesday morning over here and uh, everything's, you know, I think uh, I woke up and it was surprisingly sunny. I thought it was going to be cloudy today. So that was, a, that was a wonderful surprise. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit earlier. You said you relocated to Austin. Yeah. How has that been? Um, yeah. I mean, it, I think it's like. Like you and Joe Rogan, right? And Elon Musk, they all yeah, pieced out and moved out. You know, Joe and, and Elon called me and they were like, we're moving. And I was like, ah, fine, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> we, we actually um, wanted to move from our business from L.A. Uh, to Austin you know, for a while. And when we were talking about it, even, you know, like a year and a half ago, pre COVID, um, I feel like I need to say that to like qualify the decision, but you know, oh. and, and we actually were the, the day that like lockdown occurred really like the Monday that it was seeming like maybe the world's going to shut down. Um, we had a flight, uh, at the end of that week to go to Austin to visit and just see what we felt about it. And we ended up, uh, not coming out until August. And then, um, yeah, we fell in love with it, right? Like it's, it is a perfect home for RGC. It's a very different home for Eric. Um, it's, it's, Austin is beautiful, wonderful artists come here. Um, people who are interesting choose to come here. Um, the landscape is stunning. It's very natural. Um, the, the pace is, is a little more laid back. Um, and, and I'm used to none of that, right? Like I, I'm used to a messy, crazy, big city where Austin would be a neighborhood, right? In, in, a, mm. in New York or LA. Um, I'm used to, you know, uh, just a different pace and I'm enjoying it though, right? Like I'm enjoying, I, I, I look out my window and I feel relaxed, I feel quiet. Um, most of my life is centered around traveling. So coming back to a place that is rejuvenating and kind of like a retreat, has a lot of benefits. Um, and, you know, I, I think that as a home for RGC, Random Golf Club, that's, that, that, that's, a, that's a really good decision we made. And I'm, and I'm proud of it and I'm happy with it. Um, but as a, as a human, I'm still adjusting <laughs> as a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that sounds about right. Well, I, I want to talk a ton about, about RGC and Random Golf Club, but also a little bit about you too. Um, 
So where, where are you from originally? I grew up in uh, a town in New Jersey called Madison, which had about 15,000 people. And, okay. um, you know. So you're East Coast all the way. East Coast, yeah. Nice. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was like, um, you know, maybe a 45-minute train ride from the city. And so we would go in there for fun. And there were golf courses, but I didn't play. And it was a very, like, uh, normal town. In fact, the, the, the train station was from the 1800s, and it's used in movies to dictate like a picturesque, it's like Rockwelly and uh, family. So <laughs> really, yeah. So that was, I mean, our family wasn't quite that. I mean, we, we were in the middle, right? Like there was a lot of drugs and, you know, my mom went to medical school and in the middle of her life. And, you know, so we were kind of, a, we had some unique aspects to it, but from a postcard, we would look just totally normal. Right, Whatever that right. fucking means. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, you, you know, we had we celebrated holidays and we hung out together. That's the the gist. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, it's funny because I was talking to a few friends of mine. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to talk to this guy named Eric Anders Lang. He does random golf club. And a friend of mine was like, whoa, 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 you got to go see the the films and the documentaries that he's done. I was like, wait, what? And he was like, dude, you got to start over. He was like, this guy has done tons. And I started doing a ton more research. And I mean, I, if, if you'd be okay to talk a little bit about this stuff, like your film background and photography background is mind-blowing. I mean, it's, look, Random Golf Club is very cool. And we will talk about it. But holy shit, what was going on? How did you get into film and photography? <laughs> Um, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. That's very kind. Uh, not a lot of people bring that up. Um, you know, I think, um, when I was in my teens, I, um, I, I found something that my brother had not been using, which was a dark room, um, in the attic and he had an enlarger and he had, you know, all this stuff. And when he left the house, he was 10 years older than me at, the, you know, he's always 10 years older than me, <laughs> not just at the time. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, he's the person who got me into golf eventually. Um, but, but anyway, he, he had this dark room in the attic and, and when I was in my mid early teens, I, I thought, you know, maybe here's an old camera, here's a roll of film. Like, I'll just go try it. And this is pre real Google, right? This is pre cell phones. This is, this is just like, I don't know. I had a book. I think I was reading these books by Ansel Adams and I just became like fascinated, uh, by the world of photography, by, by taking something, uh, that existed in the world and then interpreting it on something else that existed in the world on a piece of paper. And, um, I didn't really know what I was doing or, or the potential impact that photography or video ultimately could have on the world. Like essentially it's like prime, uh, young life for, uh, what would become Instagram. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I just fell in love with the process really more than anything. I loved, um, going for a walk in nature. I love photographing trees. That was in my bio for a while. Um, and I would just bring this uh, twin lens reflex, uh, Graflex camera into the woods. And, and I would just, you know, it would show the image inverted and upside down. So it was backwards and it was upside down. And so you're looking at this world through truly a different lens. And, um, you know, I just, I loved bringing the film back. I loved exposing it. I loved learning about that. And it was it was really uh, uh, later in my life, I got into Buddhism and meditation and I, and I joined a Buddhist uh, group and it was truly like we did a walking meditation um, mm. and, and we would just focus on the foot and the, and the ground and um, the pressure 
and then the release of pressure. And, and so this, this photography was really that as a teenager. Um, and, and I just loved developing it and, 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 and just being in it, you know? Yeah. I mean, the thing about photography though, I feel like a lot of photographers and people I've talked to over the years, they'll say things like, oh, you know, uh, I just kept practicing and I kept working on it and I kept finessing. And I think that everyone is being polite and humble, but a lot of times, I think especially like photography and even a lot of athletic stuff, you still have to have a natural gift and understanding to do it really well. I say that because I've taken a stupid amount of master classes and photojournalism classes and all these things about composition and rule of thirds. And I can list you all of the things that you, that you need to be a good photographer. But when I take pictures, they still look like shit and that's fine. And I'm not, I'm not looking for like advice or, you know, or, or fishing for compliments or anything, but like you still have to have this very strong, uh, gift and natural ability to see the world differently, to be good at it. And I think, you know, because I looked through some of the stuff that you had done, and I was just like, "Oh God!" Like, th- there's a inviting, intimate experience in these photos that is, to be honest, something only you can convey when you're the person that takes it. Versus, like, I could stand next to you and I'd light it up on some Hasselblad hundred thousand dollar back, and <laughs> it would just be a totally different thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is interesting, right? You, you, uh, you know, with with every tool, we sit down and do it differently. Whether it's a microphone, whether it's a paintbrush or a camera or a video camera or a needle and thread or a computer, right? Right. Um, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Where did you like start to move more towards video? Uh, so. So I, I, I fell in love with photography and I went hard, right? I, I went to, <laughs> I tried to go to photography school, um, but I found uh, cocaine way more interesting <laughs> than the darkroom. Okay. And so I dropped out, I sold all of my lenses and my cameras um, for drugs and then wound up in rehab pretty shortly thereafter. But uh, basically... Around that time, I I've, I uh, I then got a job waiting tables, and I got and I was in, back in New York, and uh, um, I, I found that I didn't want to be a waiter for the rest of my life, um, and I was there for a year, and then I went to um, a uh, I wanted to get an internship with a professional photographer because I somewhere along the line realized like this can be a job, mm-hmm. this thing you love, photography can be a job. And I was kind of blown away by that concept when I had it. Like, you, you know, it was, it was like being like, whoa, the internet <laughs> exists. You know what I mean? Like everyone's like, yeah, of course it fucking exists. You know what I mean? Or, or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not everyone thinks that what they love can be their job. Um, and so I went to, um, I went to the school of visual arts and I Hell snuck yeah. in. I, snuck, I, I didn't, I didn't enroll. I just snuck in and they had a bulletin board with internships as I thought they might. And I saw the bulletin board and it had the internships. And there was one that said, I had a list of 10 names of people I wanted to work for as an intern. And um, a name that wasn't on that list, but was on that wall was David LaChapelle. A lot of people confuse it with Dave Chappelle, not the comedian, it, really well-known photographer. You know him, Jeremy? Yeah. It, 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 yes, very, very well. Yeah. So, I mean, I, not personally, but I'm extremely yeah. familiar with him. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's a mega, mega artist, right? And, and what's interesting is this goes into the random experience of life, right? Because that was on the wall. I took it off so that no one else could apply. 
I called and I said, Hey, I'd like to be an intern. And they said, great, send your resume. And I was like, I'd like to come in for an interview. <laughs> and they were like, there's no interview necessary. And I was like, cool. I showed up the next morning at eight o'clock and I was like, here's my resume. And they were like, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, I just, you know, I really want the internship and I got it. Um, and then I ended up working there. I got the job as well. Um, because I wanted it more than anything else and maybe more than anyone else. I don't know. But what's interesting about David is, um, you know, he was getting into video at the time and he was very well, you know, he did these, if you, if you don't know David LaChapelle, he would do these um, Lavazza ads that were just totally out of this world. And his work is copied by everybody. Any, anytime you see, um, he copied someone else, Guy Bourdain, but you know, his, uh, his images are like very graphic. They're like a bright yellow background with like, you know, uh, a very shiny, brightly lit photo of a woman. Lighting techniques are like the best. Yeah. And there's some sort of innuendo going on. Anyway, he, he, he really taught me, he he told me a story that I didn't even witness it, but he did this job for Rolling Stone early in his career. And he said, you know, I did the job and I gave him the photos and they said, what the fuck is this? And he said, I did what you wanted. And they said, we didn't ask you to do what we wanted. We asked you to do what you wanted. And that was like a really profound, like, again, I didn't witness it. I just heard the story from this person who was doing what he wanted every day. And I watched him get into, you know, conversations with clients about how he wasn't going to do that. You know, he was going to do what he wanted to do. And if they didn't want it, they could hit the road. And I mean, it's easy to say when you, you know, are getting paid, you know, hundreds of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars a day. So he was getting into video and I watched that happen and his style was changing. And now it looks totally different than it did, but it's still David. And, um, and then I got fired. Uh, you know, as I have from every job I've ever had. It's a fact. Okay. <laughs> and anyway, the, the, the moral, the, the answer to your question is after getting fired, I, I went on my own and I did some editorial work for magazines and, you know, I would, I would get paid 200 bucks for a photo shoot, which was, you know, not enough, but hell yeah. <laughs> but Hey, th- nowadays that's a lot, right? Because nowadays people just pull images off stock or go out with their own cell phone. Yeah. So I was a working photographer and I did a portrait last minute of, uh, you, you know, Takashi Murakami, the artist. Yes. So through a friend, they, someone said, Takashi needs a portrait and you're in Miami. He's in Miami. Just go do it. They're going to pay you a thousand dollars. And I was like, holy shit, dude, we've <laughs> struck it, dude. <laughs> like, like this is insane. You know what I mean? And like, I hired a photo assistant who didn't know shit. And like, we went in there. Takashi doesn't speak English. I don't speak Japanese. Take the photo. And um, I turn around my camera because I, I had a digital camera, right, which was a huge investment. And I was paying it off. And I showed him the picture and his eyes lit up and he liked it. And then, uh, like, as I was cleaning up, the assistant came over to me um, and said, um, Takashi likes you. I was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> you know, like, okay. Great. And then she goes, uh, um, you know, we have, we have a need uh, for someone to do a video. Um, do you know how to do video? And I was like, <laughs> in my head, I was like, I have no clue. Like, I've never pressed the record button ever. I'm a photographer. Don't insult me. Yeah. How dare uh, they? <laughs> yeah. And, and then on my feet, I was like, of course I do video. I love doing video. I, it's <laughs> my favorite thing to do. <laughs> oh, are you kidding? I'm actually working on four feature length films yeah. at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't even call myself a photographer at this point. You know, it's so, yeah. so she says, she says, great. And I said, um, look, um, when do you need the video done by? And she's like, you know, um, in, is it the next week possible? And I said, jeez. Yeah, I so said the next week is totally possible. Um, I just need half up front. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, they agreed. And they said half of what? And I and I I came up with a random number based on the hundred the thousand dollars they had paid me. And um, I I went out the next morning to Best Buy and the camera store, and I got his, all the camera shit I would need, and I did it, and it was terrible, but they loved it. And, was it really um, terrible? Let's be honest. It, I, I, it's probably out there somewhere. It, it, it was a film about him being at um, Gaysai, which is the con. It's like the sub. Um, it's the sub art fair to Basel and to um, anyway, whatever. So it, it, it was pretty bad. It, it wasn't. It was just technically it may have been OK and probably the images were good, but that's how I got into video. And, um, you know, I just kind of said yes to something I had no idea how to do. That's that's the simplest version of it. <laughs> as as an aside, are you someone who all the work you do, you don't like? I heard a quote the other day um, that says that um, if you're not embarrassed by your first try, then you waited too long. Oh, heavy. Yeah. Um, that's from my, so we have these great, um, executive coaches that we work with, um, me and my business partner and, and our team at Randall golf club. And, and they're, they're pretty wise. And so, yeah, if you're not embarrassed by your first attempt, then you waited too long to try. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I, I can't really watch season one of adventures in golf anymore. Mm. I look at it. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, what is this? Like, this is terrible. This is embarrassing. This is, this is not you. And, and, and even on a molecular level, it is not me. It was, it was a guy named Eric, but it, now we are something different. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, and it, you know, I, I heard um, some of my favorite filmmakers said that if they saw their own movie come up from, from the past, maybe one of their hits, like Scorsese sees, you know, Godfather, or whatever he's, or not total mix up. Whoa. Coppola might see Godfather come up and he's like, I can't watch it. I always thought that was BS. Um, but I've now experienced the same thing and I don't know the difference. I don't know what it is. I think it, it might have to do with um, um, you, you, you have to grow and be a certain level of more mature to see that you five years ago is absurd. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, right? Like, cause now I look back on me, I'm 40 now. If I look back on me in 35, like I was just getting out of divorce. I was, I was like, I look at the, my behavior, the way I approach the world as being completely juvenile hmm. and, and, and even onward from 35, looking back at 30, right? Like I, I so the work is implied in that as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting that you say that. I feel like so much of adulthood is acceptance and contentment. Like if you like boil everything down, I mean, I, I say that as myself internally, I've had so many issues with, you know, and it's not like dangerous mental health stuff, and you know, but just like the fact that it hasn't been that extreme, I've also just been like, well, I guess it's not that big of a deal. But like the the frustration of contentment disgust at previous things I've done where I'm like, there's been so many times where like I, I see that people are still downloading episodes of the pod that's like three, four years ago. And I'm like, fuck, I got to delete all of it. It's so bad. I, it's cringeworthy. It's the worst thing I've ever done. I hate it. You know, someone will DM me an old photo of me dressed like an idiot. And I'm just like, that's the worst thing. What are you doing? Kill your idols. What, like, what is going on? Yeah. And only recently have I been like, okay, like it's, it's a part of the journey. So like, you know, adventures in golf, sure it's not your vibe now, but it's still a part of your overall journey of like where you are and what you've become. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, know the, um, it's, 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 it's all completely connected. There's, there's an equation happening every moment and it all arrives at the last moment. And, and whatever that number is going to be is totally dependent on the things that you don't predict. So, you know, yeah. Right. So you are making some pretty incredible documentaries. You start, you know, and now you're like the wonder person of LA and you're making all this great stuff. So you start making these things, but somehow golf is entering the picture. And I'm curious, like where this, you know, this like synergy started to happen because random golf club as an aside is, is turning into like a case study for disruption of a sport and especially disruption of a culture, which we can get into later, but like what pushed you into golf? Um, that, that's, that's awesome. I gotta, I'm gonna, I need that quote at some point. A case, a case study. I love a good case study, you know? Hell yeah. I'm, I'm all Harvard Business Review wannabe <laughs> reading all day. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I have a case study going on. No, um, I, uh, I I hated golf, right? Like it didn't align with anything. Why'd and, you hate it? Oh, gosh. I, well, the, 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 the mature answer is because I didn't know it. And we usually hate things we don't know. We, we, you know, to quote, um, spies like us, we mock what we don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And like, and like, yeah, I mean, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the value. Um, I, I, uh, I just had the image of it that everybody has and I don't even need to go into it. Everybody knows, everybody knows it, whether or not you know anything about golf, you know what the golf stereotype is, which is the biggest problem. Mm Mm-hmm. In the game, it, the, the, I would say that that's the pace of play. Who fucking cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Drop your ball from your knees like a clown. Who cares? The problem is, is the image of golf is not the reality of golf. It's it's like a it's it's an ism almost, you know. And I and I say that delicately because I understand we're in a world obviously that suffers from that. But golf actually, in some sense is is fucking that up right it doesn't it doesn't do a good job of reversing what it is and so it's sort of like implicated in this world of racism and um financial segregation and uh, exclusivity and uh you know ceos playing more golf than anyone else because they have a ton of time and their salaries are all five bajillions of dollars and you know i mean it suffers from that um and and the undercarriage of that is that that's not it at all, right? The the other side of the coin, the 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 part that you don't see is that that's not what it is really. Um, and most people see that, and so a lot of times people say, you know, uh, my haters will say like, you know, golf is inclusive or whatever. And it just happened a lot during George Floyd's death, which was you know just the day past the anniversary, right? Um, but that was a big moment for golf because um, we really heard two sides and they were not friendly about it. Um, and the, the, the interesting point that I'm trying to make is that um, the problem isn't with the people that play golf necessarily. It's with the people that don't play golf. More like probably the problem, more the opportunity. Um, and I'm not I don't care if every golf course is full of people or not. I don't care if golf courses close, really. Um, I don't really care about any of that stuff. 
I, I care that um, the, the people that are currently playing the game have an opportunity to play the game in the most meaningful way, which I've learned. I have mm. learned that. I didn't know it in the beginning because nobody talked about it. No one told me about it. All I knew was like, fuck, I, I'm, at, I'm at this course and I'm, I feel like I'm not supposed to be here, but I'm also pretty sure my taxes make this place possible. So I don't know <laughs> what the fuck is going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've already paid and I feel like I'm pretty sure there's nobody that really cares that I'm here or wants me here. There's no introduction. When you go to church, everyone's like, dude, welcome to the vibe. Yeah, everyone calls golf church, but no one treats it like church. Oh, that's a knowledge bomb. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> um, so, so then, so then anyway, how I got into golf. So yeah, like, so you're getting into golf and, and this is the thing too. Cause like I grew up, um, in the Midwest around other people that played golf, but there's certain barriers of entry at golf, right? First off, you need some form of equipment. You can, you can get nice stuff. You can get regular stuff, whatever. You can get Tommy Calderon putters, Scott Cameron. That's what I meant to say. Scott Cameron. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have to have a club to play golf. It kind of right. In, in today's world. Yes. And, you know, at the time, my my dad was really getting into golf, and it helped because a couple friends of his were pro golfers, um, and then one of them won some tour or something that happened, and then the, he took me, uh, his name was Trevor Dodds, and he took me and my dad on a, like, golf tour, and I got to walk around and play golf, and I started playing with, like, Billy Mayfair and Sergio Garcia and all these, like, dope dudes, and I, I was, like, a, a child, right? I was a um, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years old, something like that. And I was like, this is incredible. But I started to kind of see the almost like cast system of golf. And I was like, this is okay. And I, I started trying to play and then lessons got too expensive. So we couldn't really afford it. And, but I was like, man, I was like, this is a ton of fun because it, it's something that is so, um, like inclusive and together, but can also be, and it, you know, so lonely and filled with solitude of like playing golf. And so I was like, this is awesome. And I tried to get more into it. And I, you know, basically just hit the wall and that I couldn't participate in the levels that I needed to participate to continue to um, cultivate my golf game, right? Like, it just got more and more difficult. And then obviously, i you know, pack up and move to New York where it's like, good luck trying to go play a, a lot of golf in New York. Um, but seeing what RGC is doing, like, I'll be honest, when I first saw it, I was like, this is dumb. I was like, well, of course, they're going to make some. <laughs> Sorry. Love I, was that like, take. <laughs> I was like, they're going to make something like golf and make it all sexy. But there's a philosophy that you guys really lead with inclusiveness. And I think I got the most into you where, where I assume a lot of other people did when you dropped this like massive hot take of like why you don't like golf. And I, I'm curious if you could expand just a little bit more on that uh, because obviously it's not that you don't like golf, but there's that, that whole stigma behind it and what Random Golf Club is doing to really change that culture. Yeah, I don't really listen to my own podcast that much. Um, <laughs> But Good. I listen to I, I that hate episode. my podcast. I yeah. also hate my voice. So w welcome to the show. 
I did listen to that episode after after recording it, and um, I was proud of it. You know, um, and um, I, I guess you know, I, I mean, I, it, it's it's uh, it's been a minute since I've thought about that. Right, that was in January, mm-hmm. and um, there were a lot of uh, that 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 had a lot of impact. It's interesting to hear that that had impact with you in a positive way. It had an impact with a lot of people in a positive way. It had impact with a lot of people in a negative way. Um, you know, that's good. That's a good thing. Um, I would I would prefer to be polarizing than lukewarm. Well, I feel like if someone heard that and had a negative, they didn't listen to the whole thing because they're yeah. listening to where your heart is. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think um, the 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 concept behind uh, what the discussion that was happening at that time was centered around how um, I think I've, I I I like to live by this one thought, which is that the most expensive thing in life is a missed opportunity, and. Um, you know, uh, for a lot of people, I feel like golf is that a missed opportunity. Um, and we're sort of, we show up at the cash register for the, re- for the, for the game of golf. And, um, we're not really presented with the, uh, super size. We're not presented with the wax and the detail. Um, we're only presented with the, the game as it is. And, um, I don't, I don't know, uh, of too many examples, less than 10, um, that really offer an insight into what the game could be. Mm. And, um, you know, there was a time when Buddhism didn't exist in America. There was a time when religion didn't exist. There was a time when America was just uh, Native Americans uh, living in a different way. And so I, I look at this game as like, oh, man, it is like not what everyone's telling me it is. It's not that. And it's not treated that way. And it's not handled that way. And it's not delivered that way. And, um further to that, it's almost in the opposite direction. It's, it's almost actively being made into this thing that again, going back to non golfers, they see it as this terrible entity. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a wonderfully uh, non-surprising theme that occurs uh, when you watch movies and television, who are the golfers? White dudes. And dudes. And Uh, shit pass they're typically they're typically the evil character oh yeah okay absolutely yeah they're, they're you typically got uh, and all that sorts of stuff yeah 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 and in, in any movie right and and, and and i have a list going of all the negatively depicted characters in films that choose to play golf because the screenwriter <laughs> said so because this because the screenwriter knew that if this guy has a putter in his office what is he he's an asshole he's selfish Right. He, he 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 doesn't abide by the same set of sociological sense of meaning for community. Right. Like this person is literally rich and wants you out of his way. And, and, and so like that, that that's who we get as a golfer. Right. Like I remember when I got sober, they said, tell me what an alcoholic looks like. And I said, he's homeless. He's got a piss on his jacket and he hasn't shaved. And they're like, oh, is that what you look like? Oh shit! I was like, "Whoa!" Uh, and and I had to grapple with the idea that I was that, and I, uh, you know, we 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 discover ourselves so much, right? And so and so anyway, uh, the the image of a golfer is is um, 
is part of the problem. And, and, and the, and the irony is that's not untrue. That's the sad, that's the, really the most fucked up part is that, you know, um, one of the most evil characters to play golf in a film is, uh, Patrick Swayze in, uh, Donnie Darko, you know, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal wakes up on the golf course and Swayze's there and he's playing golf and he turns into a pedophile, right. Or whatever. He's got this terrible life and, you know, and Jake Gyllenhaal, the hero of the film kills him in Donnie Darko. And, and like it exists over and over and over again. I mean, even going back to sunset Boulevard, the hero of the film wants to borrow money to pursue a dream and his agents on the golf course, his agent on the golf course. And he, and he says, what you need is a new agent, baby. You know what I mean? And it's like, he's playing golf. Like they're all just playing fucking golf. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's remarkable. Um, and uh, anyway, so, so this, why I hate golf is, is really centered around this, this image, this, this, this breaking of the stereotype would be wonderful. And it's happening. That's the great news. I was going to say, cause I think that's the biggest thing that you're doing is, well, it's not just me. I mean, it's everybody. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's the thing that's happening and it's the right time for it with social media, with our, um, you know, uh, consciousness of things that are correct. And I don't mean politically, I mean like spiritually and sociologically and, you know, all those things. And, 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 and golf, of course, would just like all the tide raises all the boats, like golf will become better with mm-hmm. that. Um, and again, like, I don't, I don't care if golf courses are full. I don't, I don't really care if they close. I think a golf course is a business just like, you know, FedEx does better than the United States Postal Service, you know, like, you know, did you know that the, that uh, FedEx's biggest client is the USPS? Oh yeah. That, that deal was set up a while ago. It was a, it was a nice life. Do you one. know about this well, shit? Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're a smart no, I, I read a lots of like things that, that don't really pertain to me that I feel like I should know about. <laughs> right. I love that. I love that. I love people like that. That's great. I think we would have a great time playing golf. I feel like I would leave smarter, which is a, just such an awesome. And experience. I would be asked for people to play through, <laughs> which is what happened. One of the best stories. So like my father-in-law is a great golfer. My brother-in-law is a great golfer. Every other year we go on a family vacation and they all play golf. And every year I'm like, I'm going to play and learn how to play and I'm going to I'll play with them and it'll be awesome. And then I can like be included, you know, and cause whether you like it or not, like just like any sport, there is also a lot of, you know, family development and friendship development, all these things that happen during the game. Right. And that I've never gotten to have with my father-in-law. Um, and that's okay. I'm not like boohooing it, but it's like, I keep being like, Oh, if I can be a good golf, like good at golf, like I'm going to get in there. And so like, we're actually going to play next week. And the first time I went with them, I was swinging and like the equivalent of striking out. Like I was missing the ball I'm hurting my back. I'm, I'm just like such an idiot. And I remember him like kind of coming next to me and being very loving. and was like, Hey, what, why don't we let these guys play through? You know, like we, you know, we've been, you've been taking a little time. Let's, and I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. And I, I was just an embarrassment to everyone else on a, an extremely nice course. It was like Arthur Hills or whatever in Hilton head. And that, you know, I know it's going to happen again this year. And now they're like, Jeremy, why don't you come and ride along with us? And you can tell us stories <laughs> or whatever you're going to do in the golf cart. <laughs> That's funny. And then so yeah. I yeah, I know it's going to happen this year, but I keep wanting to find a way to go get into golf and like get golf lessons and all this stuff uh, again and like 
participate. And, you know, now that I live in the suburbs, it's a little bit easier to go do that. Um, but the thing I want to talk about with what I think RGC is doing is obviously you're disrupting the whole culture of what golf was, but the biggest thing is you're turning it into a development pipeline for the future of the sport, right? Like every single sport started to get better when they set it up for people to like formally like improve through it. Like you had like development pipelines, right? Like the major league baseball would be nothing without, you know, local high school baseball and local, you know, peewee leagues and all these other things, because there's these steps of gradual development that help push the sport and make it better because all the major league players, they didn't start playing four years ago. They started playing when they were kids. They started playing, you know, in elementary school and like the different forms of adolescence. And that only exists when you have local community programs that can do that. Basketball, golf, um, or sorry, basketball, baseball, uh, whatever sport you want to do. And when you look at like how big this sport is, obviously football, um, that is entirely dependent on communities to do that. And the whole point of Random Golf Club is local communities that are building people up to play golf. And I feel like as that grows further and further, you're going to have a ton of new talent because people are going to get to start playing at a younger age. And they're not going to have the stigma of, you know, the wealth and elitism and all these other things because that's slowly going to erode away. And what I think is going to be great is hopefully there'll be 50 Tiger Woods. You know, there'll be... Because, like... Malcolm Gladwell talked about this once, and this always like kicks me in the head a bit. Is he's like, when you think of basketball, every single year there's like five or ten different superstars. And when you think of golf, you've basically had one superstar for the past 20 years, Tiger Woods, right? Sure, there's other amazing players. I'm not belittling them, but like the thing that someone like Tiger had is someone could see themselves in them. They're like, oh. You know, but Tiger obviously was developed at a young age. So like this is the biggest thing that I think Random Golf Club is gonna do. Not just what you're doing right now, but what you're gonna do ten years from now when there's development pipelines and communities to start playing and start playing young. Like that I think is that is like your flag in the ground. Like that that's where it's at. No pun intended. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I know that there's no video on this podcast, but if you saw my face, you 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 could uh, you saw it, Jeremy. You could see uh, me thinking there. Yeah. So, thank you for the thoughts <laughs> that you gave. This I good? live to serve. <laughs> you know, look, I I uh, I can take credit for very little, right? Um, we, uh, you know, Random Golf Club has a funny origin story that exists basically with a couple experiments and a couple accidents and one explosion. Um, we, uh, I got a DM from a guy who said, dude, let's make some hats about three years ago. And I said, okay, cool. So we made some hats. None of them said random golf club on it. They also said other shit like country club dropout and all this other stuff. And then at the last second, before we went to go order the hats, which was a significant order, I think we spent a thousand dollars on the hats. We ordered like a uh, hundred hats, 10 of 10 hats of 10 designs. And uh, we said, oh, let's make one. This is Random Golf Club. Didn't really think about it. And, um, you know, those sold out first. And when I say first, it probably took a week 
you know, but, but hey. you know, the other ones that sold two or three and the random golf club one, everyone bought that one. So then we ordered more. And then um, I was like, yeah, let's make a, I think a year later I made an Instagram account and I was like, well, let's make an Instagram account. And I knew, I guess I'm also underselling myself. There's this like, there's this iPhone video that's about 15 minutes long that exists in our company where I'm in my basement with a whiteboard and I'm like, all right, here's what random golf club is. <laughs> and we're not that far off of the vision that I had for it back then. Um, some very important people came into my life to make it happen. My business partner, Evan and Tony, the designer who came in to make the hats, we're all in Austin now uh, working away. And, um, but you know, the, the Instagram account creation was a moment where, um, you know, we had had a couple meetups, um, and meetups, if you don't know, are, um, they mean a lot of different things for a lot of different influencers in the world. I don't define myself as an influencer, but I wouldn't be offended if someone called me that because I get it. Um, but, uh, we would do these meetups where, where basically the origin was a, a couple people when we were in Australia were like, dude, let's go play golf. Like we love adventures in golf. Let's go play. And then, and then all of a sudden it went from like one and two invites to like five and six. And we didn't have time to do five and six rounds. So I was like, yeah, let's just go meet at this little nine hole course in town. And when we got there, it was 11 of us. And then I looked at the pro and I said, do you care if we just play together? Like, we just want to hang together. And prior to that, I had been doing this thing in LA where I had been getting DMs from people. And so saying, let's go play golf. And, and what I was doing was I would invite three people to play golf with me. None of them knew each other and I knew none of them. And that was really the beginning of what Random Golf Club uh, was designed around, which is this idea that when you walk up to the first tee, you don't know what you're going to experience with the random people in your group. And so let's lean into that. Let's lean into the what if, to the wonder, to the possibility, to the, to the opportunity that may exist there. A lot of times the, the, de the depiction of that in, um, experience is more like, oh, when a random single joins your threesome, <laughs> it's a terrible thing. In a world where your three friends have to be paired up with a loser <laughs> who doesn't play golf well and who isn't interesting and who is subhuman. You know, you trudge through four hours of awkwardness and finally break free after the 18th hole. I mean, wow, that's not the fucking story. <laughs> like, let's rewrite it. In a world where you play golf with someone who ends up being an integral part of your life and changes your path, introduces you, works with you, creates with you, makes you think about something that you don't forget. Um, even I have a memorable round of mine. I played golf with a man named Chris who broke a club on the sixth hole at the, at the Muni in LA. And he was so angry that I actually experienced fear for my Holy own. Health <laughs> yeah, he was, he was terribly angry. <laughs> he was so angry. And I remember on the 10th, I said, all right, new nine. And he just grilled me like, like iced me with his eyes, just stared at me. And I was like, that's when I was actually like, well, is it? I may have just upset some type of beast that, you know, might, I don't know, like maybe I'll have a personal impact from this. So even that I learned from. So, so anyway, um, we started this Instagram account and, um, and uh, I, I launched it and I said, Hey, we had a few meetups. That's the backstory there. Um, and uh, I said, start one in your town, not really knowing like that, that was actually, one sentence that you just described and we now believe is the really the the 
it's, you know, we talk about it. We make something online. Mostly what we make is online items. Sure. The goal of those online items is to have an experience offline. And that's what a meetup is. And that's what, you know, when, when you watch a video and you say, you know what, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. And, and a lot of our videos seek to impact three um, goals, which are to educate, um, you know, how to play, where to play, who to play with. Inspire. Um, inspire is the third one. Yeah. yeah. So educate, entertain, and inspire, right? And, and, and more like entertain, educate, and inspire. But, you know, like, you know, that, that's, that's, that's what we really try to do there. And, and hopefully that inspires essentially, you know, I haven't actually looked up the definition of inspire in a while, but hopefully that creates some type of change that exists for that individual in their, in their life on the golf course or in their life, in their life. Um, so anyway, we, we launched this Instagram account and uh, I made this kind of invitation for everyone to start their own account in their area. And I mean, it was literally like just, uh, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it had so many implications to it that I had no clue that would, <laughs> that would, that would basically be, you know, causing, um, so, so many things that came from it and so many questions and so many, you know, we, we was, it was, it was three people at the time. Maybe it was me right. and Evan and maybe someone else. It wasn't even Evan at that point. It was like, I had like an assistant who would like help me with editing and like, you know, was kind of just like a helper and, and we loved golf. And so we wouldn't, and, but there was no overall understanding of the business. You know, like one of our comps in business is this company, Rafa. Are you into cycling, Jeremy? Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you know Rafa? <laughs> yes, yeah. I know Rafa. So, so Rafa is one of our comps, right? Um, by the way, sure. Rafa was started by like an ad executive with millions and millions of dollars of investment. And like, you know, they're legit. But all of that legitimacy goes nowhere without the heartbeat. And so our heartbeat is really centered in the same thing they are. We're just a little bit messier. And, you know, to be true to my first quote is uh, I am embarrassed <laughs> by my first attempt. And uh, that means I started right on time. So, you know, and that's one of our assets really is being a little messy and being personal. But so the, the local activation really is um, once we get our ducks in a row, we're growing our team now. We're at 15 people and um, you know, Jeez. we're, yeah. And we're growing fast and, and we're growing through growing pains and we're learning a lot about, you know, uh, how we work together. And once we kind of assemble formally and understand our formation and those business things that I was talking about with our executive coaches, then we're able to focus on the thing that we care the most about, which, which really is that on the ground community that you're talking about that exists all over the world. There are so many ways to do it. If you're a creative person, you're almost bombarded by too many solutions, too many ways of solving one simple problem. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of ways to do it, but that insight is really great about development pipeline. Um, oh, yeah. and I think that it, I look, I look at a Nike situation where they said, we don't need to sell shoes. We need to sell basketball. And, um, that's more of a market share situation. Obviously, uh, Phil Knight is maybe not the most kind CEOs <laughs> that I've read books about, but whatever. I mean, he he's was gone now. And, he's still the uh, chairman, I believe, but he's. He's gone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you hear the stories about the back in the day and you're like, holy shit, like I don't have the nuts to pull that off. I'm not that you gotta guy. You got to be ruthless, you know what I mean? right? Like, and that, yeah, I, I, and I don't want to live in a world where ruthlessism, ruthlessism is no. rewarded. 
So <laughs> exactly. And, and neither do I, but I do have a couple sets of Nike Nikes, but um, you know, whatever. <laughs> I think the point is random golf club does, does in, in its DNA in its core and its 10 year vision that you brought up it, it, it really does focus on that local aspect. Um, and you know, we just had a, um, I'll show you this picture. This is really fucking cool. We had a meetup in Nashville last week. Oh yeah. And I woke and I woke up to this. So this, this is one of the cats that came out to the meetup and I woke up to, um, and he got the, we, we make these logos for the meetups yeah. and they're these, they're these, um, uh, they're, they're like an artifact of the location. Like in this case, Nashville, it's a guitar and it's swinging a golf club. The guitar is like personified and, um, he got it as a tattoo. So that's, that's it. That's the win. And here's the the biggest thing too, I think of RGC that's super helpful is the sense that I don't know, because I feel like you're kind of the perfect person to do this because now with this new form of acceptance, which I think is great that we're getting to this level of normalcy, um, there's a bit of like a spiritual aspect of this. And then you're also creating really, really good media that makes people want to be a part of it. Think of, and this is because before we were talking, I was like, all right, I'm going to look up every single like golf video that I can find that is going to like inspire me. And there's really not much of anything. I mean, I'm looking at Ping. I'm looking at TaylorMade. I'm looking at every single like golf company's content. And this is the thing that you need too. Like the second thing you need for any sort of like to grow a sport is you need to have some sort of media that people want to be like. No one wants to like grows like wants to be a model until they see how cool it is to be a model, right? Like my daughter isn't like, oh, I want to be someone who puts clothes on and gets their photo taken. But when you see how cool it is when these people are in these worlds and you, like you're like, oh, I want to be a part of that. So if you don't have that for golf, then you're never going to have anyone that wants to be a part of it. So like I watched the Breaking 90 video which I didn't, by the way, I still don't totally understand what the concept of Breaking 90 is, but I watched the video and it was really dope. <laughs> did you watch the, which one did you watch? It was like 30 minutes. It was the, the one Did in, you watch the in, back uh, nine of Kiwa? Uh, did yeah. you watch the front nine? No, I think it was the back nine. The back nine is the best one we've ever done. It's, it's great, but like there is, first off, there's a lot of silence in it, which I think is yeah. very cool. James did a great job with the edit. He's an artist. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good, but then- you are like wrestling with how you're playing. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's what a sport is. Because no one just comes on. People like Michael Jordan because the odds were against him all the time, right? And then eventually he rose to the challenge and kicked everyone's ass. But like, that's what people love. People like LeBron James because the other half of their friends hate LeBron James. So you need someone who isn't perfect, but is also really good. And so when you're, I mean, it's the hero's journey, right? Like all of these things come down to the fundamental aspects of storytelling. I'm not lecturing you. I'm just excited, by the way. Excuse me. I, I, I have to issue a compliment right now. Oh, okay. I have never, I've done a lot of podcasts as, sure. a, as a guest. I have never pulled out a pen and paper before. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. And I have now twice. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, so if you're, if you're listening, you didn't see that. I wrote down a note. That's what a sport is. Yeah. That's what a sport is when you wrestle with yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, that's the most fun about it. And so that's where I like, cause for me, I think all of this stuff boils down 
Because look, I'm an entirely selfish, horrible human being. And the thing that excites me the most about RGC and why I was glad to talk is if this existed when I was younger, yeah. right? Would I be able to have the better relationship with my dad, the better relationship with my father-in-law, the better person? Because the truth was it didn't exist. And sure, a lot of other factors came into it. But if there was a place like this, would I be would I be better off? I, I, I don't know. And I know that's very spiritual, but I think, you know, when I was talking earlier why I think you're kind of the perfect person to do this, is it sounds like a lot of RGC is also you wrestling with what it means to be who you are right now with your sobriety, with your acceptance. I mean, the fact that you mentioned Buddhism four times in this conversation in the sport is just, just as a heads up, right? Like that's not that common. So there's something there, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But it's you, you have to pick up the stone first. Sure. And I don't know. I don't know how, why, people do pick up the stone, but people do. I think you need to pick up your own stone and say, look what I found. And then everyone goes out and looks up at their, they're going, I got a stone over here. Let's pick this up. Oh my God. He was, it's also there. Yeah. Oh, it's not under this one. I'll keep looking. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's interesting. You're talking about the video and the media and, and all that stuff and looking for an inspiring video that made me laugh. Um, Serious, go find some other ones after this. Go look exist. on YouTube. They don't exist. No. <laughs> and, and I'm and I'm and I'm looking forward to them existing. I'm yeah. looking forward to another. I got lucky. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an artist. I'm a visual artist. Right? I, I'm a spiritual person. I was lucky enough to be involved in uh, what was a 12-step program for me to change my life. And I was able to take those three things and turn them on to a stone that I flipped up and I said, this fucking blows. <laughs> <laughs> and I was able to say, you know what? Let's actually hang on. Let me move this rock over there and let me apply these things that I've learned in my life to make Eric who he is that, that day. And let's see if we can create a little Zen rock garden here. And, and I got lucky, man. Like this is, a, you would, uh, you would, the, the, the joke of this whole thing is when you brought up in the beginning, the filmmaking career, it's this, I'm on what life? I don't know, but it's not one or two or three. Right. So this is life four, I guess. This is this is this is a complete departure from everything I would have expected. And and I believe that the values that I try to uh, insert into what Random Golf Club is from a team perspective, what Random Golf Club is from a community perspective, um, I believe that those values are easy for me to live because I've been doing it. And so um, really all of that is, is just. Um, the the idea of um open-mindedness which which uh, we don't experience a lot in golf right and it's just strangely we don't experience it how long should a round be how many holes should a round be what should you make on this hole how should you talk about your round when you're done no you should <laughs> right well you should do it the way everybody else does it no i don't think so i don't think i don't know if that's true what is actually true what what are you, how often do you, you know, one of my favorite questions after a round is, what was your favorite shot? Well, tell me about your favorite shot. Let's relive it together. <laughs> right? I don't care if it went out of bounds. My favorite shot. You know what I mean? And so, I don't know. We, we, we have a, 
the manual for golf has uh, unfortunately been written by people who are dead or dying. Uh-huh. And they lived in a different way in a generation that had different criteria, right? People got married at 18, Yep. right? Golf courses were built uh, for people that were rich. Got it. Cool. Let's rewrite this shit. Let's all get together. We just got to do a little bit of work and we'll do it over time. And we don't need to be 100%. But um, the the random golf club is uh, is um, is is focused on rewriting that. How much have you freaked out the old guard? <laughs> well, there's a great story actually that, that that will answer that question. So we you know I've said Buddhism a lot. Uh, it's part of a film that I'm currently working on, which really is the genesis of all of this stuff in a lot of ways. So I started making a film about golf and meditation and how Buddhism affects golfers um, at the highest level, right? Jason Day, Tiger Woods, uh, Justin Rose, all these players use meditative techniques. In fact, Phil Mickelson talked about it at the PGA. He said, I picture the shot. What he's really saying is he's fucking meditating, right? <laughs> and you saw him breathing yeah. and you saw him using an image to decide. So he went, he goes into the shot and he says, okay, it's a five iron. It's below my feet. I'm going to open it up. I'm going to hit a cut. Cool. Math done. Now he goes into picture mode. Picture mode is breathing and seeing, visualizing, right? Visualizing is not like, we don't have time in basketball to do that. Um, you don't have time in baseball to say, I want to hit this shot. You hit the ball. It's an instant reaction. It's different. So in golf, you have this moment of literally meditation and you have to clear away the negative visual. Don't go right. Don't go in the water. Guess where you're going to go. Um, so anyway, this this meditation thing was a huge thing for me early on. And um, I made a little trailer to raise money. And, um, you know, the, the story to that is I've, I made one trailer that we didn't use. And then I made a trailer that I did decide to use. When I say we, I mean me and my wife at the time. Um, the first, the first trailer was me in like a tie at a table saying, hi, my name's Eric and I'm a filmmaker and I'm, and I'm accredited and this film is important. And let me tell you why, and here's the benefits and here's what you can get from this fucking Kickstarter campaign and you know, whatever. <laughs> and she looked at me and she's an artist. She changed my life indelibly. Uh, she said, she said, that's not you. She said, you're a funny guy. You're like, you don't wear collars. Like you're fun. Like you have fun with it. Redo it. Just try it and maybe make it like, you know, more engaging, you know, about video, make it a more engaging video. Don't just put the camera on a tripod. And I said, okay. And again, this goes back to the open-mindedness, right? It is one of our main values of our community and our, and our team is open-mindedness. Um, seeing an opportunity where there is none. Uh, it happens on the golf course, right? You saw Max Homa hold the club backwards and make a par, right? Like, what the fuck? Like, everyone <laughs> thought he was going to make a five and lose the tournament. Um, and uh, so anyway, um, so I did it again. And I was like, I'm going to have fun with this. I wrote a little script and I like made it funny. And I like, you know, picked up a rake and I was like, what is this? I, you know, whatever. I, I pissed behind a tree and um, I made it fun. And, I, and it was, and I, for me, it was a piece of art, right? Like it was, it was a true like work and um, I got a call a few days after releasing it because I used some footage from the PGA Tour. And I got a call from the PGA Tour. Uh-oh. And the, and the call was, um, this is a, to answer your question about disruption in the old <laughs> guard, the call was, um, Eric, my name is so-and-so. I work with the PGA Tour. I was excited. In a minute, I would not be because they <laughs> told me that, uh, I had to take the video down because I had used some of their footage 
and um, you know, I wasn't allowed, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they didn't want to bring in the legal team, but this was happening and da 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 da. da. And uh, yeah, I panicked because I'm midway through like a pretty successful at this time. I think I'd raised twenty or thirty thousand dollars to make my movie. And I'm an independent filmmaker and you know, uh I was I was really excited. And um people were getting excited about it. And um and then I got another call a day later, two days later. So there was one day where I didn't take the video down because I was like, fuck that. <laughs> They're wrong. They're gonna whatever. You where was I mean? the video living at the time? YouTube? It was it was on Vimeo linked okay. to Kickstarter. Okay. You know, it had like ten thousand views in, in like a week or something. And I didn't have ten thousand followers and you know. Sure. Um I was impressed. Like I was kind of blown away. And um, then I got another call. Eric, uh, this is Chris. I work for the PGA Tour. And I was like, hey, man, look, I'm really sorry. You know, like I just I'm in the middle of this thing and I can't take the video down and da da da. And he goes, no, 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 I'm not. What are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I just you're you you someone from your team. I didn't realize there were a thousand like employees. Jimmy Hoffa, whoever's name was, just <laughs> called me. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody called and they told me to take the video down. And he goes, oh, no, no, I'm from a different department. <laughs> like, oh, what department are you from? And he's like, I'm in new media. We're, we're looking for, uh, for someone like you. I was like, what do you mean you're looking for someone like me? He's like, well, Flex. We, we, uh, we, we, think, we think you could host a golf show. And I was like, you're totally f- high. I don't want to host a golf show. I only am in this video because there's no one else to raise the money. <laughs> like I had to be in this video because I'm a filmmaker and that's the story. That's the documentary, man. Like I am documenting the story and he goes, yeah, yeah. But like, I still think you could be a host and I think you should think about it. So at its first go, it upset the old guard, but luckily there was a guy named Chris who I still am deeply grateful to for, you know, there's, there's a handful of people there about maybe five handfuls of people that have like absolutely without a doubt uh, bumpered me into where we are. And uh, Chris is one of those guys, right? Because he saw that and and he made it happen because then that was Adventures in Golf. Yeah. Um, so, the but the first response was, take it down. <laughs> <laughs> Remove it. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like everyone's scared of something they don't understand, right? Totally. Or they make fun of it, right? So like am you were I. Earlier. Yeah. So am I. Like, look, dude, I, I spent years... Right. So this film trailer didn't come out for about two years or so after me hitting my first golf club and becoming immediately addicted for those 700 days. I was um, really floating in the problem. Right. Like there, there was no understanding of a different world. There was no power. There was no sense of there was there was no channel. Hmm. Right. YouTube barely existed. There was no social media like the, it, it was there, the The power was in the hands of those people that were saying, don't do this. And so it was very scary. But now it's it's wonderfully democratic, uh, you know, at least the media uh, so far. Well, do, do you see yourself doing more things where you're kind of because whether you like it or not, you're basically the face of RGC. Yeah, that's part of my job. Yeah, it is. And I mean, do you think that you're going to stay that way? Or is the plan to distance yourself from that? I wouldn't use the word distance. I would use the word grow in another direction, right? Like we we, we have the desire to, um, you know, m- make um, as much 
media as possible, right? Like we, we know that uh, media is a great way to hit our three, right? Entertain, educate, and inspire. So if we're focusing on doing that in a bigger way mm-hmm. so that more people can get the, get the memo, um, you know, I, 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 there's two things, right? Like, do, do, well, there's three. Do I want to be in videos? No, I never did. I still don't really like I'll do it and I'm good at it. And I'm probably only good at it because I don't want to do it. Like Bourdain, like he was in the kitchen, man. And then he wrote a book about something that he noticed. And then some network, the old guard was like, you could be a host. And I guarantee, I don't know. I really, <laughs> really sad. I didn't get a chance to meet him. Cause I really did want to ask him this, but, and I, maybe it exists in an interview, but I have a suspicion that he was hesitant about getting on camera. I have a suspicion that he was like, I don't know, or, or who knows, maybe he pitched the idea a hundred times and finally got picked up. I can maybe find it. I think he did a thing at like the 92nd Street Y at one point, like a New Yorker talk, and someone had asked him, like, do you, you know, like, for because I think the first show was called The Cook's Tour. And he was like, I didn't really want to be in it, but every single other person that they were going to have in that place was quote a fucking asshole quote so he was just like well i'll just take one for the team but i think that's the thing like for you like if you had some other guy he wants to be on camera bingo bingo if you you want to be on the very desire to be president should preclude you from running gore vidal yeah (laughs) there you go the desire to be a host should preclude you from getting the job yeah so that that's the thing of of why I would you know y- you kind of have to you're stuck you have to do this because it's the hero's journey. If you wake up and say I want to be a hero, no one reads the book. Yeah. But if you're Neo and someone presents you with an opportunity and you say I'm hesitant, that's the that's that's why you watch the fucking movie because you want to see them make a decision and then take action. Is that a Matrix callback? Oh yeah, dude. Matrix is like a <laughs> spiritual experience, dude. Wow, Wachowski fan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be. Yeah. So this is probably the most important thing to talk to you about. And I want to be conscious of time, so I don't want to go too far over. But I have a I have in 15 minutes, I'm gonna tell four people from around the world that they've been invited to play Tory Pines on camera. Uh so I have to just be on that. And is that and in one, Colorado? It's in San Diego. Okay. And we've got one gentleman from Dubai, one from Florida, and two from California. And they made these submission videos and it's gonna be really incredible. And they're gonna they're gonna all play golf on camera. Oh shit. That's amazing. And and to go back to your point that you just asked me, not me. I used to do all the break ninety videos. And and to give you clarity, break ninety, the the concept is what would an amateur single digit handicap shoot on a major championship layout? And the answer is around ninety. Uh, depending on the conditions, right? Uh, I've, I've done it once. I shot 87 once. I've shot 90 once. I've shot 99 a few too many times. Um, and I'm a good golfer. Like I'm a, I'm a single digit and I, and I can hit the ball well. Um, but also it's a case study in um, what happens when you show up to the course and think about the score on the first tee. It's, it's really gets at the one of the big pillars of Random Golf Club, which is why are you here? Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's to enjoy your time, have fun and create some meaning in your life and experience lessons, experience an opportunity to show yourself lessons. Yeah. So, um, can you fix golf fashion? Because no one, no, no one looks more like a goober than the traditional, traditional golfer. Um, 
Yeah. That, there's your next, there's your next summit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true. Um, you know, I watch golf on TV and I'm like, I, I, during the PGA, I was like, why do they have to wear these outfits? Who made that role? What the fuck is It's not even technical. Yeah. Let them wear whatever they want. Let, let them flare <laughs> it up. Like, like why? It's terrible. I, can I fix golf fashion? I mean, you know, like my first answer is no, absolutely not. There's no way to fix anything. Um, but then the second answer is like, I'm going to do my darndest to try. Um, you know, with Random Golf Club, we have like, we, we, we are working on it, right? We're, we have our first polo coming out soon, which is like completely designed from the ground up, taking aspects from what we think is a good golf polo and making it look cool and classy and also functional. Um, and, you know, we're going to keep doing that, right? That's a big part of one of the things that we want to do. Um, and, and the, the bottom line to all of that though, is to make it more accessible, right? Like you talked about needing a golf club to play golf. It's true. Um, you don't need a polo to play golf and certainly Amazon has the best deal on golf polos right now. <laughs> um, but we seek to, um, you know, create, uh, a polo that is not the price of the other polos. Uh, we, we aim to be less than everybody. Um, because the masses I think are, uh, who we're looking at here and, and we're looking at getting people open to the game of golf um, and, uh, and changing the way golf looks uh, when you walk onto a golf course is, is, is absolutely key. I mean, st style though is, is ultimately dictated by so many other factors and, and absolutely. you know, and you're, you're a stylish person, right? Like you have, you have wonderful style and, and, you know, you want, one could show up from with thrift store clothes with great style versus someone with a thousand dollar outfit with terrible style. So, so golf fashion, um, you know, unfortunately the, 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 uh, the criteria for a person to get into golf typically is, um, uh, not the same criteria for someone to have good style, right? Okay. Like, yeah, usually the reasons that you, the, the, the person who becomes a golfer is, is usually not the creative person that says, you know, I want to do this and I want to express myself that way. In fact, the conversation typically goes, Oh, you play golf. <laughs> I didn't expect that. Why didn't you expect it? Cause I have paint on my pants. Yeah. Why? Cause I'm wearing Burks with wool socks underneath them. But you know, all like that stuff has been enforced by the clubs, right? Like I remember when I first went on this fancy golf course, I was wearing, I don't know, some, something, whatever. And the, and the person was like, Oh, you have to wear this. And I'm like, but that looks like shit. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, of course it's, you know, it, it was my opinion that I didn't think it looked good, you know, but like that, that's also the thing is you got to also get the courses to, because I'm like, they're, what I'm wearing will not destroy or harm the course in any way. And that's usually most people's defense is like, well, exactly. it's about protecting the course. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's about protecting an old manual. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it'll change. Sure. Uh, is it, is it going to be eradicated? Nothing is. Never. Yeah. People like it. And I get that. I get it. There's like old timey, you put on the collar and it's like the thing. And like, I don't have a problem with collars. I used to. Um, you know, I think there's a respectful irreverence that has to kind of lead the charge, right? You get more with sugar than you do with pepper. Um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, something's going to change. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm well, working on it. <laughs> you're, you're on your way. Um, <laughs> thanks so much for chatting. Before we wrap, is there anything yeah. you want to add or mention that I didn't discuss where you're like, hey, I wanted to tell you about whatever, the Tommy Calderon thing or watching speed golf on house guest um 
for for those people that are interested in what we do, um, I would I would like to extend an invitation, right? Um, we uh, we're now in a wonderful world of uh, you know people who feel safe to go outside and and be together in large groups, and and we're moving forward with a lot of meetups scheduled. So um, we try to make those uh, events that have a, 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 a an ultimate goal, which is to essentially meet people in your area that play golf. And there's a, there's a, there's a plan where we kind of meet there. We, we hit the range, then we go play golf together as 50 people or 60 people on one hole. Jeez. You're paired up with a partner you don't know. Um, and then at the end we have food and drinks and there's a hang session and that's when the phones come out and the numbers start to swap and um, I, I'd love to invite everybody to experience that because it's it's truly it, the I've felt alive in a few different scenarios. The, this is one of them, right? The, this is the most mm. alive I've ever felt was standing with with fifty to hundred people on a golf course and and kind of wondering what's going to happen next. Um, and so the invitation is there for that. We're we're in the middle of um, the the finishing phase of our headquarters in Austin, which is going to be. It looks uh, insane, by the way. It's incredible. Dude, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I actually just got slacked a picture of the uh, of the uh, the current HQ question right now, which is, you know, this is the the front door opening, and wow, I don't know how to use Slack really, but you know, like the inside has a coffee shop and a bar, and there's a fire pits outside. Oh, and so it'll be beans. open to the public. Oh yeah, it's a community space. It's oh, okay. it's it's a it's a six thousand square foot building, and half of it will be workspace. And the front, I mean, that's really why we were in Austin, right? Is it's a great place for the community mm-hmm. uh, and to engage ourselves in a big experiment. Like this is a this is a big experiment. This is an expensive video, my guy. So you know, like we're trying, we're gonna see how it goes. You know, but there's a store, there's a coffee shop, there's a simulator, and then outside there's putting greens, there's fire pits, there's a bar, there's like we're gonna watch golf. Uh, there's a stage, there's a kids area. Um, there's a parking lot so you can park, which people care about. I didn't even know that you have to think about a parking lot. Um, like, where do they park? I'm like, I don't know. They park wherever they fucking park. And they're like, no, no, no. You like legally have to have parking spots. I'm like, (laughs) Oh, like it's the law. And they're like, yeah, it's the law. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like, and they're like, yeah, the spots have to be this big. And you're like, what? There's like laws around the spot size. Yeah. They all have F one (laughs) fifties. Big trucks. So (laughs) the invitation is there, right? Like, like, please like, you know, wade into the warm waters of our community in whatever way suits you, whether that's through videos, whether that's through, um, you know, a meetup in your town or through um, visiting the Austin HQ, which will be done in October. So Jeremy, I'd love for you to come down for the opening. We're going to, we're going to have some type of party. I I will be there. I'm hitting the road a ton, like starting in August. So, okay, great. Yeah. Well, we'll be nearing completion. I don't know when the event is going to be. Uh, I feel like we need the toilets to flush, and once that's good, we're good to go. So, <laughs> yeah, got to have plumbing. Just got to be able to shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting. Uh, I really appreciate it. So this was a pleasure. Thank you, Jeremy. It was a really wonderful conversation tonight, and I now have three notes, maybe four. So I'll take <laughs> those into effect. All right, man. I'll see you. You've been listening to Blamo. Thanks. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. Theme music, as always, by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I don't know who they are. I don't know where they live, but they made the music. 
You can find us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast. And if you can't stop and need all the hot content, join us on Patreon for tons of exclusive episodes, a private Slack group, merch hookups, and all the fun you can ever imagine. Maybe? Not really? Who knows? We'll find out. I'm Jeremy Kirkland, and I've been trying to kill a fly in my house for the past two days. See you next week.